Ad Speaks Houston, the inside scoop on Houston advertising and marketing. This is a podcast created and produced by Radio Lounge for the American Advertising Federation Houston chapter at aaf-houston.net. And it's made possible by Eddie Martini, Joe Cesarato, and our good friends at iHeartMedia. Thanks, guys. We appreciate your support. And today we join a conversation, a conversation we definitely need to have, a podcast on where we are and where we need to go from the perspective of the advertising community. And this is not about the violence and the bad things that have gone on, although those are certainly worth talking about. This podcast is about creating change in the way we approach inequality and division, acknowledging that we are indeed in the most diverse city in the United States. We cannot ignore the imbalances. We need to talk about that and hopefully bring us to a place that is better than where we're at today. In this discussion comes personally in the eyes and from the hearts of four folks in the advertising business here in Houston. I hope this conversation moves you to doing something about the stuff that's going on, because it's not pretty. Let's make it better. So now let's join the conversation. We are beginning to see change happen as never before. That's a good thing. In our industry, the Aunt Jemima brand is going away from Quaker Oats. That was on the news today. The Confederate flag has been eliminated by NASCAR. These are major brands that are changing, not because they have to, but because they want to. Opinions expressed in this podcast, by the way, represent the individuals who are participating today and do not represent the American Advertising Federation and our local chapter, AAF Houston. These are the voices of multicultural diversity in advertising. You'll be hearing from advertising professionals who are an important part of AAFH as board members who also represent our incredibly diverse city. And I want to introduce uh, who we're going to be talking to today. My name is Ray Shillins. Alvin Wright is principal at the Alvin Wright Communications, a full-service consulting, media, and public relations training company, more than 35 years in media production and public relations. Valentina Gomez-Bravo, founder and CEO and creative director of Bunker 58, a branding and design studio that focuses on brand design and digital media strategies. Sunny Villarreal, the 76th brand manager for Motiva Enterprises, headquartered in Houston. Motiva refines, distributes, and markets petroleum products throughout the United States. These are also board members of the American Advertising Federation, Houston, and an incredible team of, of people who know how to get things done and know how to grow a club and know how to have fun doing so. And before we get into the, uh, the discussion here today, and really it's not a discussion, I want to say that, it's a conversation that we're having today. But some of the things that, um, that uh, I want to quote Sonny on a couple of things that he had said uh, prior to our um, interview today. He said, as advertising professionals, I think it's important to talk about how the advertising world and brands are reacting to the civil unrest that we're experiencing today. The biggest issue is acknowledging the problem. Uh, I think that's so true. Uh, systemic racism, mass incarceration, the Southern strategy, not a debate. They're actionable acts of superiority that have 400 plus years of data 
to leave note of nothing to the imagination. There is no defining, defending slavery, segregation, the history of inequality across the country's cultural spectrum, their opinions and emotions, and then there are the cold, hard facts. Uh, it's The bottom line is it happened. It is happening right as we speak. It's not about politics. It's not about red versus blue or anything else. It's about human dignity. And the final thing that uh, Sonny suggested, I love it. I suggest we roll up our sleeves, grab a Snickers, and dive into why others aren't having a life that we are enjoying. And I really, isn't, that a, isn't that a great statement uh, uh, to set this whole thing up for discussion? And again, we're representing uh, our friends in the advertising industry. And, uh, you know, Alvin, maybe we start off w- with you. You had, you had some, some really uh, good thoughts as we've talked prior to our, our meeting. And I, first of all, thank you for being here today. And um, welcome to the discussion. Get us going here, Alvin, on what we're talking about today. <laughs> well, I, I think that, first of all, we're in a very uncomfortable uh, position um, as advertisers and as marketers and, and as communicators, because we're saying things um, that uh, a lot of folks have a lot of distress about. And uh, obviously, it's, it's disheartening that these, these current events have taken place. Um, in my lifetime, and then in the many years I've been around, I've seen this movie before. It's not new. Um, it's unfortunate that we're here. But I think that if we don't get caught up in the hype of what's going on and listen to what's being said by the activities and the actions, uh, we can start to have a dialogue and a conversation about how to make things better. And that's a part of what, you know, growing up in the South South Chicago in the 60s has taught me. And that, um, especially in this industry, that there, there definitely is a disconnect to some point that we have to look at on a realistic basis and make sure that at the end of the day that we're doing what we know to be just right, fair, and equitable for all involved. That, that the divisions that are present are here today. And that if we're serious about making that change, then let's do it. Conversation is over, and I think that because you see all these um, riots and the protesters and the anger that has uh, permeated most of all the media, people are getting all, uh, I guess, afraid, jacked up because of what's been going on. Yeah. Um, and so we, we've got to try to get past all of the emotional part of this and, and say, okay, now what's next? What do we do now to make this better? And if we don't have that conversation and lay out an idea, a plan, a program that's accountable, measurable, and attainable to make that change, we're going to see this again. It's not going to go away. You've been fighting this battle for a while, Alvin. Uh, one of your comments here, great ideas have no color if it's a great idea. Isn't that an appropriate and wonderful statement to make that erases everything except the fact that it's a great idea. And and so in, in all my years of higher education, um, 
television news, uh, representative of uh, law enforcement and city government. Uh, what I find interesting is that sometimes an individual's own personal perspective, usually, if they are the person of power, takes precedent. Is that right or wrong? Well, that's a judgment call for those who are a part of that conversation. But for me, I, I look at this as, as, as pretty simple, that this is not a, a, a black and white issue. This is not a police versus the citizens issue. This is a right and wrong issue. Things that are being done wrongly are wrong. And no matter how you paint it, it's, it's still wrong. And so until we come to grips with the fact that we have to understand that what we're doing is not correct or beneficial for our bottom line, it's not going to change. And so having this conversation, there are people who just don't want to talk about it. And I, and I, I see not to want to talk about it, man. Yeah, yeah. Because you don't have to do anything if you don't talk about it. Right. Or if you blow it under the rug and let it go or let it die down and we go back to what's normal, right? But it's going to happen. We've, I've seen these things before. This is not new. So the, the key is if we wanted to change or to stop, we must open up a, a, a dialogue, a conversation, and there must be active listening. And that's what's missing right now. Alan, thank you for that. You know, Valentina, a question for you. Um... You had commented um, uh, prior to the interview, you say that business is now personal. What does that mean uh, coming from you, Valentina? Hi, guys. Uh, I love that we're talking about this. And thank you for the question. Uh, a big thing that I've learned uh, doing business or really just being a human being on this earth is that uh, people, for me, come first. And um, ideally, people for everybody, for businesses, no matter where you are, organizations, people should be your priority. And in the olden days, you know, when there was one doctor, one lawyer, one grocery store, one bank, you had no choice. So you just purchase from what you have available. As the markets grow, then you have a couple more options. But 10 years ago, nobody spoke about, or 15 years ago, nobody spoke about your brand values and a differentiator specifically for the world you're living today. The thing that I love about what's happening in the world, and especially in advertising and in branding, is that the quality of your product is not enough anymore. How good you are, how accessible you are, your price point is not enough anymore. And I think that's great because that's shifted the focus from businesses to what really matters. And that is what your company stands for, what your values are, what your mission is, what you really care for, and how you participate within your community. And I love that consumers are getting smarter about this and they are asking the companies they patronize for more than just a good product. Mm -hmm. So now is the time where, yes, Business is important, but business now revolves around a lot more than just that item or that service that you provide. 
and the market is asking for it. So if we're not from a business standpoint, paying attention and listening to what's happening in the world, you're going to be left behind. And even if you have the best product ever, people will choose somebody else because they can trust and connect with other products and businesses that do stuff that really matters. The personal connection to the brand, an obviously sure. important element. Absolutely. Hey, Sunny, uh, what are your thoughts on uh, how uh, the advertising world is basically responding and or reacting uh, to what's going on right now? Hey, Ray. Hey, guys. I just wanted to uh, say that I'm pretty sure Valentina just dropped the microphone on that last response. We didn't see it because this is audio, but I'm pretty sure she just dropped it. Um, no, I, I think the advertising industry is, is speaking up. I mean, you see the statements that the agencies are, are putting out, clients are, are putting out, the brands are putting out. They're solidifying their positions, and you know, I think they're laying out the plans to take actionable steps, finally. I think they're actually taking not just words on paper, but actionable things that they can do as corporations and as, as agencies to help fight this, what is a 400-year disease, right? But aside from the advertising world, you have citizens, individuals taking action. I mean, you know, we, we can talk about the protest and all the other trappings around that. But I mean, I think, I think the fact that we're, we're stepping up and people are talking about this across the world, not just the U.S., is, is pretty telling. Um, corporate America is standing up and actually investing in, in these organizations. Um, and I'm hoping that they really do put the money towards real, tangible changes. I, I'm hopeful that they will. Um, you know, I was watching yesterday Doug McMillan. He's the CEO of Walmart. And they're pledging $100 million to help advance economic opportunities, criminal justice reform, and all these things that, that we're talking about today. But, I mean, that's huge. That's Walmart. That's, I mean, that's taking action from a corporate standpoint. So if you look at the agencies, the corporate America, the country as a whole, I'm, I'm glad that we're finally talking about it like we are here today. That's, that's a good first step for sure. Yeah, and that's not necessarily maybe a, a, a reaction, but an, an action, something that should have happened a long time ago. But the fact that it is happening is an incredible thing. Now, Valentina, your thoughts, the same thing, thoughts on how the brands are reacting uh, to, to what's going on today. Well, I'm glad to see a lot of people taking a stand and not being afraid of, you know, losing business over their personal opinions or over where the company stands. I'm glad to see that a lot of businesses, big and small, not just the huge corporations, small mom and pop shops, small business owners, personal brands, internet personalities. I think it's very brave for a lot of people that feel uncomfortable, you know, opening up and they and the constant fear has been that and that's a conversation I've had with my clients and and that I've been listening to online people are scared of whatever's going to happen if they say what they want to say or if they do take a stand or if they go out and protest um but the biggest thing for me it has been seeing people actually start to take action and not just stand in the conversation online or being, you know, Twitter soldiers, but actually doing things like Sunny was saying. And I found a list um, on Twitter, actually, of um, how many companies have been, you know, stepping out and putting out statements. And not only that, but sharing what their plan for diversity is in their businesses and sharing their diversity reports 
and really, you know, making act, taking actionable plans for what's happening. Um, I saw a makeup company, you know, stop sales for blackout uh, Tuesday and say, we're not doing business today. You know, this is the day of reflection. And I'm like, yes, that's what we need to do and not be afraid of doing it because that's what the world needs now. That's what our consumers need right now. And I applaud those that are sticking to their guns and being true to their values and taking a stand because I also understand that it's not an easy thing to do. You know, Alvin, I have a question for you. Um, you know, as a club, American Advertising Federation, Houston, in, in your perspective, and you've been with the club for a long time uh, as a board member as well and a participant, what do you think that uh, American Advertising Federation, Houston, could be doing to better make um, this more of an inclusive, uh, you know, uh, uh, club that represents Houston? What could, what are some of the things that you would like to see us do as a club to, to do a little bit better job of that? Well, to kind of piggyback on what my colleagues have already said already, really, we're in an opportunity right now to look inside of ourselves and reflect. And I'm a firm believer that sometimes we do bad things without knowing that they are bad things. And I think that if we take stock in those things that we have done, analyze them and be critical about where we were and where we are now and where we're going, I think we can provide a better leverage of opportunity for, I think, more minorities, more women um, to partake in this industry that we, that we all love and we're passionate about. Uh, reflection. I think that was one of the words I think I may have heard uh, Valentina say. Reflection is a tough, God, it is hard to do because reflection means you have to look at all of your good points and all of your bad points and, and suck it up and make a decision. Do you still want to do the bad things? If the answer is no, then you stop. When I, as a spokesman with the Houston Police Department, I, I would have this conversation with a lot of the officers when investigative reporters would show up and they would want to interview an officer about some behavior they had done or whatever. And I tell them, I say, well, I don't, I'm not going to ask you whether you did it or not. All I'm going to suggest is that if you are doing it, you stop right now and change your behavior because people are watching. And that's the, the key also is that People are watching. Other folks in our industry are watching what we do as an organization. Other clients are watching what we do as an organization. And the key is, are we going to provide leadership in the direction of, of being right, being fair, and being accurate? That's, I don't know if that's, <laughs> if that's controversial or not, but, you know, it's biblical. <laughs> I can tell you that. But I think that when we, when we talk to, you know, as a, as a strategist and as an advisor, uh, you know, my responsibility is to, is to let folks know you have to look inside yourself and make the decision for you. I can give you some suggestions on how to be better at what you do, but if you don't act upon it, there's not much more I can, I can do to help out. So reflection is if you look around the room and the room is not diverse, Ask yourself, is it diverse? Is the room diverse? Yes or no? Then the, then the question becomes, do you want to be diverse? 
If the answer is yes, then you work towards that end. If the answer is no, then you status quo, you keep going the way you've been going and nothing will change. Uh, Sonny, for you, uh, having both experience in the agency and the client sides uh, with Motiva, with Lopez Negrete, what is your take on marketing to multicultural communities? How much time do we have, Ray? Because this is going to be a three-hour response. I Uh, give you as much time as you need. Go. It's a loaded question. I mean, you know, Alvin's Alvin's right. Diversity is real. You know, the the country has been changing and it continues to change. And that's just a a matter of fact. Um, I mean, the U.S. as we know it today looks different than it did 5, 10, 20, 50 years ago. 75 years and older, 20% of those uh, folks are multicultural. Baby boomers, 30% are multicultural. You go to Gen X, 40%. Millennials, 45%, I believe. And as you get younger and younger, you end up at Gen Z, who are 50% multicultural. I mean, you know, all in all, it's 40% that the country um, is multicultural. So if you look at that, you have to say, well, okay, you have to think that the marketing budgets and the spend reflect that 40%. It doesn't. And it's, you know, if you look at the, the current spend for Black, Hispanic, Asian, LGBTQ, people with disabilities, it's 5%. And it, the correlation, it's just such a discrepancy. How do you have 40% of your country who is multicultural, yet you're spending 5% of your marketing dollars on those audiences? So, you know, I mean, in the current world of inequality that we do live in, unfortunately, the numbers just don't add up. And so I, back to what Alvin said, I think it is a, an introspective look that we all need to, to have and make some fundamental changes. Who do, who do we hire and how do we hire them? Who and how do we promote um, our agencies having the right conversations with clients, our, our, our clients working with the right vendors, um, supply chain? You go down the list and we have to figure out how do we make this right? How do we bridge that, that massive gap? Because, you know, corporate America and these these massive companies, they understand the, uh, the potential of, of, um, of the multicultural consumer. There's no doubt. Back in the 90s, and I'm sure you guys remember this, but we had multicultural agencies pop up left and right. And that was in direct correlation, obviously, to the multicultural growth that I was just talking about. So you look at that and all of a sudden you see minority-owned shops tapering off. So you have to kind of dig into that. Why? Why are these shops closing up and what's happening with that emphasis on the multicultural consumer? And again, these mass, these massive, what global holding companies, they understand the opportunity, but they're, they're checking the box essentially. So their general market agencies are, are taking some of that work that used to be done by specialty expert shops. And it, it's a really sad thing, but again, like anything, change is going to be uncomfortable, but we have to address that the multicultural consumer is more important than ever. And you have to invest in that consumer and speak to them the way they deserve to be spoken to. There is no, unfortunately, there's not a one size fits all approach here. And the general market has, has proved that. Do you think as a generational change happens at the top in corporate America, that this might also be a way to change this perception? Yes, yes absolutely. In fact, I mean, sorry, I just jumped in. I don't know if you're asking me that question, Ray, but I feel very passionately about that. And I, I've, I've actually said this multiple times over the past week. 
Yes, if there's one thing that gives me hope, truly, sincerely, it is just that. The way we've done things, it clearly doesn't work, right? So my generation, I'm very hopeful that it's not just protest and being as loud as possible. I think, I think us, I think my generation moving into the corporate suite, I think my generation getting elected into public office, I do think that ecosystem is going to kind of um, take place. I think that's all going to happen in the next, you know, 10, 20 years, maybe. But I think, it, yes, I think it's inevitably going to be a shift. And it starts with those old ways of thinking fading away and these new ways of thinking coming in to, again, places of, uh, of influence, roles of leadership and places where we can actually make a difference. So, that, yes, I, I do feel very hopeful that my generation and beyond are, um, are going to, to make a difference. It's, it's really your generation that will cultivate that change because you will be a part of that change. Sonny, wouldn't you believe that to be a truth? I think so. Again, I mean, no one can tell what the future holds, but in seeing what we're seeing now, yeah, I think so. I think, I think we're pretty darn good at making our voices heard, right? And um, this is, of course, personal opinion. I don't think we're off base with what we're saying. I think... <laughs> As you um, as you read off my 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 manifesto to begin the the podcast, you know I was just thinking that that's that's me speaking, but I that's me speaking on behalf of so many people. It there's some there's some things Ray that are just not debatable. Some things are just not opinion, and the things that me and so many other people are fighting for, they're not debatable. They're not questions. This is injustice. These are inequalities. And it, it, it's a massive sense of unfairness that has just gone on for way too long. And so, yes, I, I am hopeful that things are going to change, starting with now. Alvin has an interesting uh, 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 article that he's uh, pulled up here. It's called A Call for Change. Uh, Black professionals in advertising demand urgent action uh, from agency leaderships. Uh, with the, uh, the you know the recent things that have happened uh, in our in our world here, uh, and talk about that a little bit, Alvin. I think this is a really uh, <laughs> poignant thing to talk about. Right. Well, so my perspective has been, especially in the advertising industry in this market, uh, from the nineteen eighties, way back in the old days, folks, where uh, the only African American who was actually on a, a commercial shoot was me and i asked the question well where are the other african-americans and and the, and the answer was well, we can't find them we don't know where they are and so i just i let it go but uh, in this letter uh that was posted on ad week um regarding black professionals that call for change one of the paragraphs talks about that after decades of well-intended uh intentioned diversity and inclusion efforts, we have seen little progress in making black voices a more representative part of the creative process. And we, we've seen that already in, in certain ads where they've run the ads and then it's like, oops, my, my bad. And then they pull the ad, right? Well, if you had someone of color in the room who could speak to the sensitivity of what that ad was, then you wouldn't spend time doing that. And so, though, though it's very important that uh, 
we connect with the communities uh, as a as a as a client and even as an advertiser uh, working with um, the client, being able to provide provide perspective so they understand exactly what message they're being uh, that they're sending out to the community and what they say and how they do it. And so we look at his, you know, use the word systemic. I think some people don't like that word. I use, okay, let's go to historic because history shows the, the inequality in the business has been there. It's, this is not, this is not new. Has it gotten better? Most definitely. Can it be better? For sure. Do you want it to be better? That's a question that uh, we all have to ask ourselves in regards to what we do every single day. And, and, uh, and in regards to other stuff, you know, we, we look at um, the fact that the, the bottom line is, 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 is money, right? We, you know, we, as advertisers, we want to make sure that our clients are profitable in what they do. We want to make sure that we, we provide them the best information and dialogue to help them uh, uh, you know, move their, their product or services. Uh, but you know, we've got to look at ourselves first as, a, as advertisers and how we can bring, bring better creative presence to our clients to reach not just the, the uh, communities of color, but also to all communities so they understand the value. I remember back in the old days when there was a, a big um, protest about Cougaran coins from South Africa. Right. And that was a, that was a big push. So, you know, in the black community, we boycott, you know, a lot of different products and then they listen at some point. Well, technology is really great. And, and if we use it to the, to the ability for which it was created, then we shouldn't be having this dialogue now. We, we should be on, we should be on point, but we still have this dialogue. And as long as we're still, as long as there's a, two-way communications involved in all this. I, th- I think we'll, we'll be fine. You look at a company, I'm, I shouldn't mention any, any brand names, but there's a company that sells burgers and they talk about their diversity in the community and how they provide scholarships and job opportunities. And at one point they, they had a, f- a feature about how one of their CEOs, African-American, used to sling fries in one of their facilities. He was, and he was a CEO for a while. And so when you talk about your diversity in your organization and how there are opportunities for people of color, you know, and, and, and the uh, LGBTQ communities as well, you know, the landmark decision that just happened uh, the other day with the Supreme Court, that, that is huge. That's huge, especially in advertising. It's, it's huge. How are the companies now going to navigate and pivot to accomplish you know, that process. Valentina, let's go back to the part that we were talking about. The business is now personal message that people should be doing the mic drop moment here from a brand (laughs) strategy perspective in this, uh, is this changing uh, how brands should communicate in the future? My guess would be, uh uh-huh. Talk about that. Well, yes, it has changed. Um, The question is, for business owners and for people that are in positions of power, the question is, are you coming or are you staying behind? Because the change is happening. And um, the biggest thing is now that we know 
that this is the way that we need to go, then are you going to be indifferent? Like once you know the problem, you can't just ignore it. You have to do something about it. And I know it's a challenge and it's a tall order for a lot of businesses out there. But I, I would invite you to, you know, how did, how does the mouse, it, the elephant will one bite at a time and just start somewhere and start within, look within, start, you know, thinking, are you ready to take this challenge on? Are you able and open to really have a conversation and listen to what your market is asking from you? And uh, it will be polarizing. It will be controversial, hopefully not for too much longer, but um, if you're not, if you don't feel like you're ready to have these conversations yet, if you feel like you're not ready to have your brand speak out and take action, have your business uh, be part of the change that is already in route, then look inside and see why you're not there yet. And um, what are your core values? What your mission is? What your vision is? Are you putting your people first and not just your customers, but also the people that work with you? Uh, I know it's all about the bottom line for a lot of businesses, but at the end of the day, on the other side of the transaction is another human being and they know and they can tell and they're smart and they're getting smarter every day that you will be found out if you're not being honest, if you're not being authentic, if you're not really taking charge of the change for your business. So it's, it's really a decision of, you know, Think or swim. What are you going to do? How are you going to handle this moving forward? And if you don't know what to do, ask for help. Uh, there's many resources out there. There's a lot of professionals that are great at this. Start the conversation, but now is not the time to just sit and wait for the time to cool. Cause it's not, it's not, we're not going back. I don't think after all of that's happening, I don't think we're going back. So as a business owner, your communications have to change. The way you do business has to change and it has to change sooner rather than later. So join us. It's wonderful on the other side. And I'm pretty sure that this is going to be good for your business, no matter what your bottom line and everything about it. When you approach your clients from the agency side with that question, do you find that you have to pull that information or get them to buy into that concept or or do you find that they're ready and willing to say, hey, I've always wanted to do this. I have a, a funny feeling you're going to say they didn't even go there and they don't want to know. <laughs> Would that be true? It's been both. Um, and the good thing about it, and I'm going to say I've been very lucky in that respect, is that a lot of the people that I've had the chance to work with, stand on the same space and we are a lot alike on our values and thankfully the conversations that i've had tend to lean more to how do i do this let's do it or what's the best way to approach this i'm scared but i'm willing uh unless no i'm not interested or i don't want to participate and even those conversations that are i don't want to be a part of it they're still listening and they're still at least open to have the conversation. So that's also a win in my book. It will take time for some people. It'll be easier for others. It's generational. It's also sometimes not. Some people are very open to doing the work and looking at themselves and seeing why they're not ready. And that I had that conversation a couple of weeks back with a client that was terrified of taking a stand. And I get it. She was really, really scared of 
this affecting her business in a bad way or having issues personally because of what she would say from her business as well. And But just the fact that she wanted to have the conversation and that she was aware that it was something that she needed to work on as a business owner, that is already a step in the right direction in my book. Just, it's hard to take a look inside. It's like doing therapy. When you work on your brand, it's like you're going to therapy. It's It's a hard process, but it's totally worth it once you get to where you want to be and where you can feel proud of the business that you're running. I think this conversation is good therapy as well. I like that. And, I, and I'm sure <laughs> yeah. it's going to be good therapy for the people who are hearing it on the other end. You know, Sonny, you talked about the multicultural uh, agencies uh, not being as, as, uh, uh, as many as there were before. A lot of the smaller shops that specifically address multicultural uh, issues and such like that. Would you would you suggest that maybe uh, with with uh, the things that are going on today that we might see a, a change a turn so that we paint uh, a multicultural agency growth here over the next uh, several years and what would the landscape be of those agencies? I hope so, Ray. I mean, again, I, I remain optimistic, and I, I really do hope that we do see some growth and some attention and some focus. Um, in terms of multicultural agencies, you know, Valentina was talking about the clients and the brands and them, you know, whether or not they know about multicultural, they have to know. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's almost a prerequisite in 2020. It, it, their business depends on it, you know? And so, I, yes, I hope that in time, and I hope in short order, these clients, these brands, these corporations, they figure it out because, Back to my earlier point, folks like myself and Valentino, we are going to have some influence, I hope, in the coming years. And so as the consumer, I hope that the, the client realizes what we are seeking, what we're needing, how we want to be spoken to, how we want to be marketed to. We, we are, you know, the, the, the lifeblood of their, of their business. So, so, yeah, I hope so. I, I really do. I think it's important. And as we see these numbers trend upwards, Again, we're at 40% multicultural as a, as a country. It's, it's not a race. I'm not saying that. But again, that, that is the data. We continue to grow as a multicultural country. So if that's going to continue, how do you serve these multicultural buyers, right? Think about that spending power. How are you addressing what they're looking for, what they need? So it, it, takes, it, it does take a special marketer and shop and team to do that. And I anyway... I guess what I'm trying to say is that, yes, I do hope that, that, that brands get it soon and we do start to see more of these multicultural agencies uh, come up. Happy to see that, too, as well. You know, one, one final question for you, Sonny. What are your thoughts on diversity and inclusion? We already know that. This group already knows how passionate you are for this whole thing. But let's talk more about that. Your thoughts on diversity and inclusion. It's a fun idea. I, I don't. I really don't mean that sarcastically, but it, it really is nothing more than than a, than a cute idea. I mean, you know, I, as the chairman of the Multicultural Diversity Committee at AF Houston, I sat on that on that board and in that position for a number of years. And even I realized we're we're really not doing much. I'm not doing much. And the common theme here is actionable, actionable, actionable. So, it, it it's an idea until you have you know, participation and representation and actionable items to go with it. And so you, you see these corporations and all these folks who are creating 
DNI task forces and committees and whatnot, it's, it's a great first step, right? And they're trying to ensure that their businesses are inclusive and inviting folks from underrepresented communities. Um, but it's not enough. I mean, we need to continue moving that needle, right? And so I think we're starting to take more actionable steps. I was at, um, I was at a conference a few years ago in Miami and a marketer from Johnson & Johnson, I'll never forget, he went up there and said, you can't make decisions on how to market to multicultural audiences without having multicultural representation at the table. And what's funny is that he was actually, um, he was referencing the Dove body wash ad that went horribly wrong a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I mean, Dove declined to ever share whether or not they had anyone from a community of color review that work. So again, to my point, it's, it's Having a general market agency do multicultural work is like having a dentist or a, an optometrist perform hip replacement. You know, they're all doctors, but it's probably not going to turn out very well for the patient. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think diversity and inclusion is becoming a more popular, more trendy word. And I think people are now realizing you need to put action behind the idea. So I'm proud to see a lot of folks doing that. I just hope it's not... Uh, a one-time thing. I hope this does become the norm in in corporate America and society, frankly. Well, this world certainly has been rocked by what what has happened here. And I appreciate your thoughts on that as well. You know, I can't imagine being um, um, an Hispanic business and not wanting that type of representation from an Hispanic agency or whatever. How can you possibly understand getting in the head of your consumer if you don't have somebody who's connected to your consumer there as well. Right. I have horror stories of this stuff. I mean, it's not just about casting, right? You can't just cast black or brown talent and say, okay, that was a, that was tough, but we got multicultural done. No, it's not the way it works. (laughs) It's, it's casting, it's location, language, attire, food, how your your talent reacts with his or her it's the whole spectrum right and and folks don't realize that i i literally have probably half a dozen experiences with general market agencies where things just go south because they don't want to acknowledge you know um never mind appreciate but acknowledge the fact that this is important you can't just swap in a spanish-speaking talent and call it a Hispanic spot. That's not the way it works. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it makes me laugh when I think about it, but I remember when it happened and it was just devastating. So on the, on the client side now, I'm very aware of that, right? So with my brand, I want to put um, non-English work out there to speak to those non-English communities. It's, it's you know, it, I don't want to discriminate um, in a very diverse world, especially in Houston, the most diverse city in the country. If there's something that we've not uh, touched on that you'd like to say, or just basically a, a statement uh, that can uh, can help us wrap up this incredible conversation that we're having today, and let's suggest that this is only the beginning of these conversations as well. So, Valentina, give us some uh, some nuggets here as we uh, wrap up today. I would say what I invite everybody, not just brands or agencies or companies, to do but also people is cultivate empathy and 
courage. If you have both, then we have what it takes to do the work that we need to do moving forward. Beautiful. Alvin, how about you? Um, in my, from my days in, in, in television news, one of the things we learned from uh, the, the African-American community was that they can tell when you are pandering to them to kind of follow along with what Sonny was saying. And it goes back to when uh, friends of mine in Chicago who were actors and they didn't get certain jobs because the, the client says they didn't sound black enough. And I, we didn't know what that meant. Sound black enough. So my thing would be don't pander. You know, you know there are plenty of talented minority um, creatives out there that will lend value to your bottom line if you provide the opportunity. And if you don't, it, it becomes an obstacle. Very cool. Alvin, thanks. And Sonny, finally from you, uh, something, uh, something to help us wrap up this conversation today. Yeah, I think uh, back to what Alvin said earlier, I mean, I, I think people need to take a, take a deep look, some introspective and, just get educated, you know? I mean, it's, it's a very vulnerable position, I think, that we're, we're needing to put ourselves in, but that's the only way forward. I think we need to get educated. Go to, go to Netflix, watch some documentaries, go to uh, the library, get some books, really figure out how we've arrived to this horrible point in time. Um, get ready to be uncomfortable, you know? The, I, I was watching a documentary called The Uncomfortable Truth on Amazon. That's what it is. Right now is not the time to be happy and, and uh, think that nothing's wrong. The world is on fire, right? And I think people need to figure out why it's on fire and what we can do to kind of put out those flames and be kind. You know, we're all in this together. You know, we, we can't move forward unless we, we address the issue. So let's be civil. Let's be accountable. Um, let's treat each other with, with respect, like, like the equal human beings that we are. And again, folks are starting to stand up. That's a good start. That's really good to see and all, all great. But now we need to step up. Right. And if we really want to change the world, it's going to be a long ride. And I hope um, I hope everyone's ready for it. You know, I like painting pictures. So, you know, when you buy a, you see a pair of shoes you like, you love these shoes. They're beautiful. They go with it and you put them on. And the first time you wear them, they hurt your feet. Right. You wear them a few more times. You feel more comfortable. Right. This is where we are right now. We're, we're putting on a new pair of shoes and a new pair of pants, jeans, and it's a little uncomfortable now, but we're going to get used to this because it's going to be a better thing to do. If not, then we're going to see what's happening again. Go ahead, Sonny. No, he got me on the shoes topic. I, I was, <laughs> I actually had a really interesting blog post from Seth Godin that I read a few days ago and I shared it with Alvin a few nights ago, but it's super, super quick. But Seth was saying that he gets to wear shoes and his shoes protect him from the elements. So he doesn't even realize, but he's wearing a privilege on his feet. He doesn't have to worry about the fact that he does or does not have shoes. He just has that, those, that, that comfort, that, that privilege. And he calls it uh, invisible insulation. You don't even realize that you're protected. He said, unfortunately, not everyone has shoes. So the way you contribute to the world with your shoes is vastly different. Folks who don't have shoes 
cannot contribute in the same way. They've got to worry about their damn feet, about having shoes. <laughs> and he said, their having shoes does not impact your life whatsoever. It just, it just makes things fair. Let's make sure everyone has shoes. We certainly covered a lot of ground today, and I hope that uh, the things that were said were beneficial and positive and felt good, that we are indeed focused on the things that are important here in Houston and in our world. We thank you so much for listening. Ad Speaks Houston is created and produced by Radio Lounge for the American Advertising Federation Houston chapter. You can find out more at aaf-houston.net. Subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform so you'll never miss a new podcast. Your rating on iTunes will also help us grow. And don't be afraid to share what you've heard today on social media, especially today. Until next time, thanks so much for listening. Ad Speaks Houston, copyright 2020. I'm Ray Schillens.